Good morning, Lansing. It's Saturday, it's 9 a.m., and the pet experts are in the building. This is the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS and 1320WILS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Rick Pruce and Lee Cohen. Welcome, pet keepers, to this week's MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. I'm your host, Lee Cohen, here with my co-host, the pet expert himself, Mr. Rick Proust. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Lee. How are you? Oh, I'm great, Rick. And uh, I'm guessing after last weekend, things are great with you, but probably a little bit tiring. You had a lot going on at Proust Pets, didn't you? Yeah. um, The main event was... um the basically we had animal control out and um, a cat rescue and I guess all I think all the dogs they brought out ended up getting a rescue right. and um, uh, so I was happy about the results of that I, I think there was a lot of positive effort that went into it and Rick how how uh, have things been going in terms of uh, the artist's umbrella how how were the acts that they brought out any good <laughs> well that's that's happening tonight okay and uh, uh, we'll see how that works but I've never seen more energy community involvement and excitement about it right and uh, so people that want to come out um they can do that um it is tonight. Well, it's, you got to love the creativity that takes place in Old Town. That's one thing you can always count on. Now, Rick, for this week's show, I've got a surprise for you because the truth is I call you the pet expert every week. And the fact is that you would be the first to say, well, there's some areas where I am and some areas not so much. But I don't think there's a person on the face of the earth that would question your knowledge when it comes to fish and aquariums. And the truth is, finding someone who is your equal when it comes to knowledge, passion, a life spent learning in the area, that's a hard group to track down. But I've got one, your old friend Jay Hemdahl, who's going to be on the show with us today. Yeah, it's uh, coming in from uh, Toledo. Um the Toledo Zoo has been at uh, a blessing to have him there. Uh, he's just an exceptional person. I do want to make a footnote. Um, there are endless number of individuals that I know in the industry that know as much or more than I do. Right. Uh, we all kind of experience a lot of the trade, if you will. And for those who are conscientious and wants it, want to be a help to the trade, um, Life is the pursuit. The, the the learning is the pursuit. The you know good things are happening is the pursuit. And you know the more years you're in it, if all you're doing is you're trying to figure out the answers, you're going to be knowledgeable. You're going to be capable. You're going to be interested in doing it. And in the public aquarium arena, that's exactly where Jay Hemdel is. He has really given a gift to that industry, um, starting out in the aquarium trade. Right. Well, I just know that. Jay, every time we've had him on this show over the years, has always proven to be very knowledgeable, very thoughtful. It's rare that you interview somebody and they take as much time to think through the answers and how they're going to say it the same way that Jay does. I mean, 
he's a very thoughtful gentleman. And and frankly, I've always enjoyed the back and forth you and he have had yeah. because my thought just is it's like Smith and Wesson getting together to talk about, hey, maybe we could create a gun. I mean, it's just – it's very <laughs> – well, I don't know that I like the analogy, but – Well, uh, you might but, not, uh, but I needed a pair that right. I could all put right. together. That's what you grabbed off the tree. <laughs> but right. bottom line is I just think that it's always a fun conversation. And the truth is that – as we're going to learn, uh, Jay is is going to be giving up on uh, the part of his life that he spent at the Toledo Zoo. He's been there for a long time, more than three decades, and is going to be doing some really interesting things in his retirement that I think are just going to be phenomenal for people who love to have fish and need that expert opinion and uh I just suspect that you and he are probably going to be talking a lot. Yeah, I hope to spend even more time with him over the years, uh, pull from his knowledge and his experience, and uh, it'll only benefit me the more opportunity I have to connect with him because every time I have been with him, it's always been a learning experience. It's always been helpful for us together and more importantly for, for me specifically at knowing how to do what I do best. Right. Well, I just think that it should be an interesting show. And frankly, I wanted to have an interesting show because unfortunately, Rick, uh, as we've learned, our producer, Grant Lefebvre, is going to be leaving us. And he's actually been someone who listened to our shows and (laughs) would always give us an honest opinion uh, on either side of how the show was from his perspective. So, uh, it's important that for our, our last show with Grant, we give him a good one. So yeah. uh, I just think Jay Hemdahl will be that guest. Yeah. And thank you, Grant. Uh, so much so much has gone into what we do here by by the use of your brain. So thank you. Yeah. It's we, been a lot of fun. Thank you guys for letting me be part of it. Oh, it's been our pleasure. So that's what we've got in store this week on the, on the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show here on 1320. W-I-L-S. If you're out of the listening area, you can hear the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show live online. Go to 1320WILS.com and click on the Listen Live link. Look here, girls. Take this advice and remember always in life. Into each heart, some tears must fall. Though you love Finally, two hosts your pets can relate to. It's Rick Pruce and Lee Cohen on the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. I'd like to be under the sea in an octopus's garden in the shade. He'd let us in, knows where we've been. We're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And, Rick, we have with us on the line a returning guest, although it's been way too long since we've had the conversation with them. It's Jay Hemdahl, who is currently the curator at the Toledo Zoo and Aquarium. Welcome back to the show, Jay. 
Hi, thanks for having me back. Oh, it's our pleasure. It's been a long time, Jay. I looked through the archives and I couldn't believe how long it had been. Usually you had been on with us with pretty good regularity, but I guess the last couple of years have been a little bit crazy for all of us. Uh, how has the Toledo Zoo been doing with regard to everything? I, I suppose a lot has changed there, hasn't it? Well, yeah, um, we had a lot more changes in 2020. Um, we've had been able to roll back some of those changes. Um, the only lasting change for us is that we are closing on Tuesdays. And we've been doing that for the last year and a half. It works out well. Um, just so people are aware that it's the, the whole facility is closed on Tuesdays, except for some special education uh, events. Um, and the reason for that is to give the staff a break and also to allow um, us to get work done when there's not visitors on ground. Yeah, yeah that would make a, a whole lot of sense, but why Tuesday? I've heard of Mondays off, I've heard of Sundays off, but right. never Tuesdays. What, well, what brought that up? a big day for zoos and aquariums. <laughs> and interestingly, Mondays are a free day for Lucas County residents. And the reason why is because their property taxes help support the zoo and so to, to give back for that they get free mondays and it's always been mondays so if we were to close on mondays we'd have to give change their free day to another day and that's so confusing so we ended up with uh, tuesdays as being the second best choice makes perfect sense now, now, Jay, when it comes to the, the goings-on over there, uh, I was doing a little bit of research online, and I heard uh, we've got some new shark pups. Is that true? Well, we've got some uh, baby sharks that we're raising up, but actually those were surplus to the collection, and we've moved them to other aquariums. Okay. Um, which helps those aquariums out. They sure are fun to raise, though. Uh, they're, they're really cute, um, and we've raised them up and sent them to other aquariums. Well, I think, what, what type of shark? Well, they were um, a group of coral uh, banded sharks, sure. as well as, uh, more importantly, some bonnethead sharks, which are a small hammerhead shark. Mm -hmm. And they're really delicate, and so uh, we were able to raise enough of those up. We sent some to Georgia and some to the Shedd Aquarium in Chicago. And uh, it's just, it was a, that's more of an accomplishment. The, the, the coral sharks just hatch from eggs, and I've seen people even with home aquariums raise those. But the, uh, the uh, bonnethead sharks are a little different, yeah. Interesting. And when it comes to the public's response to everything, now that you have opened back up and are operating again, has the crowd come back or are you still seeing some hesitancy in terms of people's willingness to go back out and experience things like the aquarium? Well, interestingly, um, I think a lot of uh, facilities that were either closed or running you know, with limited hours uh, over the past year and a half, saw this. We're actually seeing uh, a higher attendance than we normally would. Um, and we think that's, what, what do they call that, pent-up demand? Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and so we were actually having, I, I can't say for sure if it's a record year, um, but it's certainly uh, more than we had forecast. Well, and I think that uh, also 
people are a bit more comfortable about being outside. Um, and much of the format of, of most in all zoos are at least very open spaces, if not outdoors. That's right. We have a lot of indoor buildings, but we do have spaces outdoors, and that does make a difference. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just uh, the crowds have been, uh, have been really, it was really good to see that many people come back to the facility and start enjoying the animals again. And uh, mask requirements, uh, how, what, where, where do you guys stand on that? Is that a recommendation? Is that a, a requirement? Um, here in Lansing, Potter's Park Zoo, I believe they've made it, you know, pretty much a requirement um, to be in the zoo. But I'm just curious, uh, each, each municipality is going to be different. That's right. So what we do is we follow certainly uh, Toledo City requirements as well as Lucas County requirements and then uh, CDC advisories. Um, Things change over time. Um, Currently, our recommendation is that we recommend that if people go into the buildings, that if they're not vaccinated, that they wear a mask. And I'm seeing an uptick in the number of people wearing masks outdoors, you know, it, we still see a few people wearing masks outdoors. Mostly they, they put them on when they go into buildings. And um, there's been a slight uptick in mask use, I think, just out of concern. Um, and we're just obviously watching all the media reports and the advisories from government. And uh, we just follow those. But right now there is no requirement at the zoo. So last time we uh, chatted, it was... Shortly after the completion of uh, your renovation of the aquarium, there was a question as to whether we should build a whole new aquarium or renovate what we have. And it sounded like you played Tetras a bit and figured out a way to kind of expand your aquarium without expanding necessarily much of the walls. And uh, tell us how that's accomplished. Uh, how, you know, how has it worked out now that you're feeling it uh, for a few years? Uh, what's the new aquarium or the newly renovated aquarium? Uh, you know, has it uh, has it gotten the feet that you hoped it would be? Uh, yes, definitely. It's been open now for six years, and we still have visitors coming in and, and enjoying it uh, as if it's a new exhibit. There's, you know, with fish <clears throat> moving around in an aquarium, every time you come to the facility, it's going to look a little different. Sure. Um, and I think that overall that, that was a very successful project, and it's, it's operating, you know, now six years now, and it's, it's, it looks just like when it opened. Um, you know, with some improvements here or there for exhibitry, and now one thing that's really changed, and, and this is hard for us to see because we're there every day as the fish are growing. <laughs> so um, we had some baby black tip sharks that we got from the Shedd Aquarium in Chicago back in 2014, and they were about 14 inches long, and we got four of them. And the four of them now average about 40 to 45 inches long. So we've nice. really grown. Nice. Yeah, that's quite that's quite a bit of growth. Now, Jay, didn't there weren't there some renovations too to the museum that's there? Do I recall that correctly, or am I mistaken? No, um, I can explain that a little bit. It's the Prometica Museum of Natural History, and that opened in 2019. So after the aquarium, it's another major indoor facility uh and i just wanted to harp on that because i'm not a great fan of bitter cold or hot and humid environments and having a zoo that has indoor areas where you can 
you can go out and see a tiger and then go in a building and get comfortable again. That really helps me out. Um, <laughs> but the, the museum, oh, the history of this, it was a natural history museum based at the zoo back in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Um, it had all sorts of Native American artifacts, and it had rocks and minerals. It was a standard old-school natural history museum. Over the years, most of the exhibits were closed and changed to uh, uh, administrative offices. Uh So we had this beautiful WPA architecture that was just basically right in the center of the zoo holding uh, uh, offices. There was a couple animal exhibits in there, but not much. And our, our director, Jeff Saylor, decided that that just didn't make sense in terms of a good use of, of prime real estate right there in the center of the zoo. So they set up administrative offices off-site in a small, it used to be a restaurant across the street, and moved all the office workers over there and then did a complete renovation of the museum. And it's a, a modern museum of natural history. So it's not those little, you know, look at a box of rocks and then look at a skeleton, you know. It's more to it's more interactive. There's 12 primary exhibits, and um, it, they range. It's real eclectic. I, it's, it's just really interesting. So there's Komodo dragon. There are, it's the only exhibit in the United States of true sea snakes. Uh, we have coconut crabs, those giant land crabs. And then all sorts of insects and venomous snakes. But then also a lot of, uh, oh, there's a lake sturgeon touch tank that's very interactive. And then there's a lot of uh, non-living exhibits, educational exhibits that, that, that have to do with things like uh, ice age animals as models, you know, um, in, in, in very dynamic uh, displays. Non-living, of course, but still the kids really like to see, you know, a big saber-toothed cat and things like that. Yeah, we don't usually think of a museum as a living museum. You know, it's, you know, your perception would be, historically, if you're going to see a museum, it's... You know, I, I'm thinking of like Shed's Aquarium, and then you go across the street and you see the, you know, bona fide museum. You're not expecting to see a live animal in the museum, and you're not expecting to see maybe a historical artifact in the Shed Aquarium. It's interesting how you made those connections and were able to kind of keep a living aspect to what could otherwise be, you know, to be frank, uh, maybe a dry material. Yeah, paper mache. <laughs> right. Uh, and and that was kind of, uh, was that a spawned idea of several? Is that just kind of a inspirational idea of your director? Or how did that come about? I'm just curious because that's... You know, I'm not sure the actual genesis of the idea. I think all the zoo staff recognized that the way the museum was being utilized it could be done better, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm pretty sure that it was the director's idea um, to to renovate it in the fashion that it that it uh, that it was done. Oh, I should add, there's a uh, on the front of the building they installed a huge two story greenhouse that's literally grown into a jungle now with with uh, butterflies and wow dart frogs and lizards and birds and it's just. And that added square footage to the whole museum, which was a pretty good-sized facility to begin with. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it was the director, and then with the animal curators helping to pick, you know, what animals would... Like, for instance, I helped to source the sea snakes. Um, because although sea snakes are common in the ocean, they're not a rare species. They're not 
something that you could just go out and, and say, okay, send me a couple sea snakes, okay? You know, it was, it was a lot of work. Well, it sounds like absolutely a fascinating journey for people who want to delve below the state line and go to Toledo and check out. Uh, it, it really sounds phenomenal in terms of all the different things to see and do. And again, most people wouldn't necessarily associate it with not even the biggest city in Ohio or the most famous zoo in Ohio. But bottom line is, you got guys have done a great job there so kudos to you uh for that now jay we're gonna need to take a quick break but when we come back from the break i'd like to talk a little bit about kind of your future because the fact is uh you haven't mentioned it yet but uh you're going to be retiring fairly soon from the uh toledo zoo and aquarium and have some very interesting plans for going forward so we'll get to know a little bit more about Jay Hemdahl and the future plans going forward right here on 1320 WILS. Whoa, if I could talk to the animals Just imagine it chatting with a chimp and chimpanzee Imagine talking to a tiger Chatting with a cheetah What a neat achievement it would be If we could talk to the animals And learn their languages Maybe take an animal degree I'd study elephant and eagle Buffalo and beagle Alligator, guinea pig and flea it's the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. Here are your hosts, Rick Pruce, a man possessing unparalleled animal care expertise, and Lee Cohen, who's also here. We're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show, and we've been talking this morning with Jay Hemdahl, who is currently the curator for the Toledo Zoo and Aquarium. But Jay, as I hinted at the end of the last segment... The rumor has it that you are going to be retiring a little bit later this year and going in a little bit different direction. Uh, talk with us about that. Well, I've been at the Toledo Zoo for uh, 32 years, and it's been a fabulous place to work. It's been, you know, half my life. And uh, it's time now, I think, to uh, look towards retirement, as many people do. Um, you want to be able to go out and, and do other things. The, uh, what I'm really looking forward to is seeing that they hire a replacement curator that's younger and has the energy and knowledge, new knowledge. Think, everything that I've done is based on what I know. I'd love to see what someone else can do coming in and building on what we've got with new knowledge, new perspective. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, as I announced my retirement to my director, he proposed an interesting uh, option, which looks like we're going to be doing, and that is I'm going to retire as general curator and aquarium curator in October, and then I'm going to return as a consultant part-time, and I'll be working at the zoo still, uh, but able to do a lot of it from home at different hours, which makes it a lot more flexible, and I'll actually be uh, their general curator for compliance and accreditation, so I'll work with the zoo to ensure that we meet and exceed all legal requirements from the USDA and the Association of Zoos and Aquariums, um, working with standard operating procedures, things like that. Sounds really boring since there's no animals involved, but actually it's, it's been very fascinating, a part of my job for the last three years here, and uh, the director suggested that I continue doing that in a part-time capacity, so I'm 
taking a month off and coming back to work. Well, that, that sounds fantastic, and I think uh, it's interesting. Um, I'll bet – you know, this didn't come from a direction of, hey, this would be a good idea, and there's somebody that's no longer, you know, having responsibilities. I would imagine that there was a certain propensity of interest and a propensity or capacity to do so. I know in my store there's just individuals that tend to stand out to do specific tasks or responsibilities, and sometimes it's those more obscure tasks or those more organizational tasks that maybe many people, you know, kind of like run away from that uh, when somebody actually stands up and says, hey, this is important, uh, we need to be organized, we need to be safe, we need to be this, we need to be that, it's probably sweet music to someone like the director and probably something that he probably was fretting would lose or would lose ground on if 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 your energy that you've been putting in, you know, and, and, and it sounds like an energy that could easily be missed if it's not focused on. And so probably as a consultant, um, it's something you can stay focused on without distraction. Yeah, I hadn't looked at it quite that way, but I, I suspect that was his motivation. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, and, and like I said, it's, it's a task that a lot of people would, would, would not want to do, but I find it uh, challenging and uh, enjoyable. You know, I'm, I guess at heart, I'm kind of what they call a bean counter. I like to, you know, have all sorts of policy and procedures in place. Um, and I, I, I relish that sort of clarity, and that's what they need for accreditation. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, this is, this is looking, and I, I'll probably do that for, for three years or so um, until our next uh, Association of Zoo and Aquarium accreditation in 2023-2024, uh, and then I'll probably retire for good. Well, and what's interesting is that in three years, um when your efforts are good and they're focused, it kind of is something that has kind of a lasting thumbprint or, or you know, uh, impression. You know, it doesn't end at three years because organization is just that way. When you become more organized, when you have more structure for people to follow, years later you can look back and say, man, had we only done that, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago. Why didn't we do that before? And, and you're going to be able to focus on those things. Yeah. Well, and AZA accreditation is something that is, as you achieve it and maintain it, uh, that'll have, as Rick said, your thumbprint all over it. So that's a, a very good positive. Now, Jay, what is it about your background that makes you so good with the job that you've had and the, this future job. I mean, where does your knowledge come from? Because as you mentioned, what you brought to the job is what you know, but you know an awful lot. Where the heck did you learn all of it? Well, I think as, as Rick can attest, um, the, uh, my, I got my start in the pet industry. And uh, a good pet store um, can be a, a great training ground. It, it gives you a lot of experience very quickly, and I've built on that over the years. And then, of course, uh, you know, I, I worked at the Shedd Aquarium in Chicago for four years before coming back to this area and working for Toledo. Um, and, and so it's just knowledge that you just build. You can't, uh, can't really uh, learn it at university. 
Um, although Bowling Green State University does have a marine biology program that focuses on aquariums, and that's pretty unique, um, in most university situations, it's not something you can learn. It's basically you have to learn by doing. Yeah, on the field. Um, happen to be paired up with somebody that you can look up to and and learn from or uh, colleagues in the industry that you can connect up with. And, you know, the one thing I will say uh, about you, Jay, is that over the many years that I've got to know you, uh, first it was this um, elusive character that I heard about uh, when I was very young that um, had both a reputation in the industry and then the reputation of going to the public aquariums and I had was kind of excited to learn who you were what you were all about but then as we met at the various conferences and trade shows and and places where there was kind of a collective pooling of people of the industry uh, you've always been one that just wants to give you know you're a very giving spirit as in if I'm going to learn something, I'm going to share it. And uh, I'd like to learn a little bit more about where that comes from. Well, I, I, I know what you're saying, and I do enjoy helping other people with their aquarium problems. And that certainly stems from when I worked uh, at pet stores in Ann Arbor where people would come in and, and say, hey, you know, I've got a problem with my fish. What do I do? And we'd play 20 questions and try to figure it out. Then uh, later on when I was at the Shedd Aquarium, I actually had office hours where people around Chicago would call in with their fish questions, and I'd try to answer them. Um, <laughs> that that was pre-internet, and that phone line was ringing off the hook every day. Um, then when the internet came along, and people had a, a more ready source of information, the calls uh, just basically stopped. I I have not had a quote, fish call at the Toledo Zoo probably in the last two years because people don't use, they don't call up aquarium curators anymore asking them for advice. They, they just go online. And, and so what I've done there is I actually um, have a presence online now. For the last year, I've been the resident fish disease person on a website called Reef to Reef, mm -hmm. Reef, numeral two Reef. And it's a, it's a big website. I had heard of it, obviously, over the years. Um, but then I was asked to come on as their disease person. And it helps me because I'm also working on a fish disease book. And being an aquarium curator, I have a certain perspective on fish disease. But that perspective may not match right. the perspective of a home aquarist. Right. And so doing this on Reef to Reef and answering people's questions from the perspective of an aquarium curator is, is allowing me to learn um, more about issues in the hobby, not issues for public aquariums. And that's helping improve the book quite a bit. So this is, and I'm putting bits of the book up on the website, so it's a, it, it works out really well. Um, prior to Reef to Reef, I had actually been involved in, some of you may have heard of CompuServe, that was one of the early uh, computer networks, yeah. and there was a group on there called FishNet, uh, and I would answer questions um, on, on that service for many years, um, but that's all you know, gone by the wayside now. 
Well, no worries, Jay. Dial a joke went away too, but still, people get their memes out there. So, uh, we're talking this morning with Jay Hemdahl from the Toledo Zoo and Aquarium. And Jay, we need to take one more quick break, but when we come back, we'll continue the conversation and talk a little bit about the topics you're going to be writing about and talking about going forward right here on the Mid Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. From the studios at a nice farm upstate, it's the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show with Rick Cruz and Lee Cohen. We're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show, and our guest this morning has been Jay Hemdahl, who is the curator from the Toledo Zoo and Aquarium and about to retire and become uh, not just a consultant to the zoo, but also an author and the online expert for fish disease. Jay, I don't know where you get your energy from, but I've got to tell you, it just sounds like you were made for talking about fish in aquariums uh is that just your nature have you always had the passion for these animals or is it something you taught yourself to do well my my parents told me that that uh i i when i was a child i was enamored with dinosaurs okay i could as, at the age of three i could tell you the names of all these dinosaurs little plastic models that i had but then when i learned what extinct meant and that I would never see a live dinosaur they just yeah, went away I was not interested any longer um, <laughs> and, and shifted to reptiles um, and then from that found that fish and aquatic animals fish and invertebrates were even more interesting than reptiles and uh, so at, by age nine I think I got my first marine aquarium and it's been a laser focus for me ever since um, I do have to say that that kind of focus comes with drawbacks. Um, you know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm the typical fish nerd, so I know a lot about fish and not much about anything else. <laughs> well, I understand your perspective. <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> you know, when it comes to fixing a car... Um, I always try to figure out how to be friendly to somebody that can do it. Right. (laughs) But you're right. Uh, You know, sometimes when we get into this particular profession or this focus field, and yours is a slight bit different than mine, but we have a lot of parallels, it it leads us, um, you know, when we're at our age, and you and I are similar age, um, we're like, Boy, we are a little bit focused on on what life's all about. So maybe as you get retired, uh, maybe you can expand that out a little bit. Yeah, my wife certainly hopes so. <laughs> how, how long have you been married, Jay? Um, thirty. Oh, I, sh- I should know that, right? Um, thirty-four years. That's right. Um, so you know, you have that going for you, and you know that does tell you that. You must be, to some extent, a balanced person in order to keep a relationship that long. So uh, that you have going for you. Either that or you just tick, you grab something and you stick with it. So <laughs> one way or another, it's working for you. 
Now, Jay, when it comes to uh, giving people advice, how do you suggest that people go about this? Because one of the things that I loved back in the day when I had fish tanks going is that I would always go into the fish store like Bruce and talk with the folks there about here's what I've got in the tank and what do you suggest that I add? But for a lot of people, they're just more about, oh, that looks cool. Let's put it in there. How should people go about doing the work in order to put together the right groupings of animals so that they have the maximum chance of success? I mean, that, that's such an important ingredient in making a lasting impression. Well, and, and you might expect the answer is uh, do your research and due diligence before you get the animal, not after. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the fish problems that I have to respond to are basically of the format, half my fish have died, what do I do? Yeah. And it's unfortunate because the answer may be, well, try this, but you may be seeing the rest of your fish dying before this works. Um, right. So doing the informa- getting the information beforehand is so important, but it's hard. You know, there's aquarium books out there, but they vary in their quality. Um, Rick can attest to this. They're, his store has is very progressive when it comes to information for their customers, but not all stores are like that. And they will be on their own in some cases, depending on where they live in the country, uh, in, the, in the world. So they, they need to get some grounding, some basic information um, before moving into the hobby. Uh, and then find a good pet store and, and stick with them and, and engage the people. You know, make, if you, if, if, when I worked in a pet store, if a person came in and said, I want to buy that fish, I might ask a few cursory <laughs> questions, but I may assume that they know what they're doing. Exactly. Actually, they don't. So engage the store yeah. uh, employees and, and make sure that they can help you get to the, to the final product that, that works well. I think on, on a special note, I'll, I'll make one more addition to that. Okay, Jay? Mm-hmm. Um, and then as the years go by and you go into a store and they ask you those rudimentary questions, right, just realize that that's a good thing as opposed to something that, um, you know, I already know all that stuff. Why are you asking me? Because we're always in like a catch-22 situation where, you know, to staff up a store and to have enough, you know, labor to make sure everybody's taken care of and then to be on the affirmative as far as finding out for sure that they're capable takes a lot more effort and energy than to just latently wait for the question to be asked. So, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I'm, I'm just a little bit uh, uh, charged emotionally in a very positive way with your response of throwing it upon the shoulder of that person coming into the hobby of asking the questions, you know, probing around. And, and finding out if they're actually wanting to help you. And then when you do find that store, you know, maybe they don't have enough employees to just search out and ask questions when they aren't being asked. Uh, but they probably will, once you ask those questions, if they really have, you know, kind of the metal that it requires to be, a, I think, a successful pet shop. And I define that not from money, but from, you know, what goes on in their aquariums at home. Um, I think that uh, 
you'll find the right place. Are they are they willing to engage and and help you, or are they are they just you know finding your questions demanding? And uh-huh. uh, so so I I, t- I agree with you wholeheartedly. Well, Jay, it sounds like you've got a winning proposition going. Where are people going to be able to find you? I mean, and, and what kind of timetable are we looking at exactly? Well, I'm, I'm, my biggest presence is, is probably on Reef to Reef, and I'm just there under my name. Uh, I don't use a, a handle. You know, a lot of people come up with, you know, Fish Guy 84 or something like that. No, I'm just Jay Hemdall. There's... Um, uh, and the reason I do that is, is um, we're all there about the hobby. I don't care. I don't need to hide my name or anything. And it helps for consistency yeah. so that people know when I give advice there, I'm doing my best to answer their, their questions. And, it, and it, if, if they recognize the name, then, then hopefully they'll listen to the advice. Because, as you're well aware, when you're on a website, uh, lots of people are going to respond to your questions. Trust and credit. Uh, I went on to a home home beer brewing website and I asked a question and I got it was great. I got like fifteen answers, but they didn't agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. Sounds like dog trainers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, and it's so, a, so that's well, probably that's probably the best access uh, for me right now. It's it's the fish disease section. I I really stay away from things I don't know enough about, like coral reef aquariums. I'm not a reef expert, so I don't sure. I don't dabble in those <laughs> questions. It's for me it's it's fish compatibility, uh, uh, fish health and, and that's pretty much my focus. Which which is probably good. I mean, using your real name, you want to have uh, credibility and trust and uh, no better trust and credibility than always speaking the truth, you know, mm-hmm. from what you know. Of what I know, right. And, right. and sometimes I don't get it right. Um, you know, sometimes the information I'm working off of is not correct. Sometimes I'm wrong. You know, even with good information, I make mistakes. But we, uh, we have checks and balances, um, and other people can come in and say, oh, Jay, you know, I, have you considered maybe this treatment? And I can talk with them about that, and, you know, and, and we can work it out, Yeah. Well, Jay, it's been a pleasure catching up with you. I'm sorry it's taken us this long, but now with you in retirement, maybe we'll both have a little more time so that we can have you as a guest on the show to see how things are going. But we really appreciate your time today. Thank you very much. Sure thing. Yeah, and I, I, def- I want to thank you so much for you know us giving the time here, but also giving the time in the prof- uh, to your profession. Uh, the aquarium, uh, the zoo and aquarium uh, field is benefited by all the years that you've put in, and you've done it in a way that's generous and capable and inquisitive and, you know, just you're, you're an honest person trying to do just something more positive than, than, than just your job. Right. Well, well, thanks. For, that's that's uh, very gratifying to hear. Well, we've been speaking this morning with Jay Hemdahl from the Toledo Zoo and Aquarium. So thank you very much, Jay. And unfortunately, Rick, we are out of time. But before we go, I'd just like to give a special thank you to our producer, Grant Lefebvre, who is unfortunately going to be leaving us after today's show. Uh, Grant, we really appreciate your help and all the positive changes for any of you who have 
seen the changes, especially in our podcast. Uh, we really appreciate all that you've done. So thank you very much. So on behalf of our uh, my co-host in the studio, Rick Proust, this is Lee Cohen, wishing all of you a great weekend and a great week ahead. We'll talk next weekend on the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. Meantime, will you all please, please take good care of your pets. Have a great week, everybody.